The underwater volcano has been active in recent years and yesterday a huge explosive eruption generated a tsunami pushing metre-high waves towards the Tongan capital, Nuku'alofa, which is 65 kilometres to the southeast. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared. Just the same usual Saturday. I was just lying at home because I had a headache. What I was doing, I was at home. I just got back from a youth camp the day before. It's like a, a big bomb, like it really hurts the ear when you hear it. The noise was too loud, like, it's like when you go in the plane you can feel your, your ears, you couldn't hear anything, because it's too loud. After the volcanic, when we were still running, we knew there was going to be a tsunami, but we didn't even know it was going to be that, that fast. We're doing all we can to re-establish those communication lines. Helping your community. Helping your family. Helping you. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Hello and welcome to Pacific Prepared. I'm Fred Hooper. Today's show is completely dedicated to the Tongan volcanic eruption and tsunami in January 2022. I wonder how you manage your fear during a natural disaster. Maybe you think about something else, try and block it out, or maybe you don't cope very well at all. Or maybe you sing. This young girl is from Tonga and singing was how she managed her fear during the volcanic eruption. She had a chat with her mum and they decided praying or singing was the best thing to do. This week on Pacific Prepared, stories from the volcanic eruption, what people were doing, what they did next and how they survived, including singing. I will walk with Jesus, and you will walk with me. The volcanic eruption was just the start of the story for the people of Tonga. There was a massive tsunami that followed, and the country was completely cut off from the rest of the world. No communication. So when communication slowly restarted again, the pictures showed just how powerful the eruption was, one of the most powerful explosions recorded on Earth. The people of Tonga all have a story about January 15, and hearing them all was like putting together a jigsaw. And all these stories start on Saturday afternoon. It was like any weekend. People were hanging out with their friends and family. Just the same usual Saturday with my family that we plan out like um, to do our shopping in the morning and then afternoon time we always went um, eastern side. It's just a cruise around there and then we went swimming. I was just lying at home because I had a headache um, and I was with my daughter uh, when we were just lying around because it was a Saturday. We didn't really have much to do. What I was doing, I was at home. I just got back from a youth camp the day before. Uh, I was at the plantation growing crops, so uh, I... This is like your family plantation? Yeah, family plantation. Yeah, I was just cleaning up my house with my parents at home. Uh, I was at my car wash with my dad. The eruption wasn't a total surprise. The volcano had been active for a few weeks. But from what I heard, it was the size and sound of the explosion that surprised and scared people. I just feel like there's going to be something happening and boom. It's like a, a big bomb, like it really hurts the ear when you hear it. Uh, yeah, it's just pain, a big pain to the ear. 
the pressure came first, you know. You just feel like your ears gonna burst. My my daughter, she started crying because she was like, oh, my ears are hurting. And then I'm like, oh, both of ours are hurting. The noise was too loud. Like, it's like when you go in the brain, you can feel your, your ears, you couldn't hear anything because too loud. We didn't really hear anything because the windows were closed, but we could um, feel our ears ringing and um, yeah, our eardrums ringing and we couldn't really hear anything. So we know there's, there's a volcanic kind of bop when we feel like our ears are, are hurting so bad. After the, big, the first bang, uh, we, barely could hear, we could barely hear anything, so our, our ears were ringing. So it's like when you go on the airplane, yeah. like yeah. high up in the air, and you can feel like the pressure in your ears, you can feel it. And I was thinking if it was just me. The underwater volcano has been active in recent years and yesterday a huge explosive eruption generated a tsunami pushing metre-high waves towards the Tongan capital Nuku'alofa, which is 65 kilometres to the southeast. The king was um, evacuated from the royal palace. We know communication is still down in Tonga. It's still hard to reach people. The first two um, bangs, I just thought, oh, it's just thunder. You can feel the, the air pushing you. Even the view, you can feel the view is going sideways when you run. Yeah, that's how strong the, the, the eruptions are. Through our, our brooms and mops, we didn't bother to finish cleaning. We had to run and get far from town because there was a life that the sea has already risen. And as soon as the first bang happened, um, everyone ran out of the wedding and everyone was terrified they were calling their loved ones. I don't think you can describe it. I think it's, it's something that you actually have to see for yourself. And then there was the big bang and then we all had to get out of the house and we went to the front lawn and we were just sitting there. We called all our family from the, all our family that are close to the waters. I told them to come into our house. I saw something in the sky very weird. And given I took one of my dog to, with me to the beach and my dog keep barking and then I'm like, what's wrong? Are you hungry or something? And then I, when I realized something, um, in the clouds, it's weird, and then I told my sister, there's something really weird. There's this big cloud, it's growing, it's bigger. It was started small and now it's bigger. But when we arrived at her house, that we got out and we saw, and I saw that the mushroom clouds is on top of us. After the volcanic, when we were still running, we knew there was going to be a tsunami, but we didn't even know it was going to be that, that fast. And we weren't really sure about it until we saw, we saw the smoke, and we could see the smoke from where we were, like, going really high, and we were, we were really frightened. Right. And what did you do then? We decided to go back because we were worried about the guys at home because uh, we were all out, and then... Um, 
yeah, we decided to turn back and we turned back quite late because the software started to fall from the sky and oh, it wow. actually blocked out the windows and, and, um, and the view. So you couldn't see where you were going. We couldn't see anything. Even the water from, the, from our windmills were, were finished. Really? It was loud enough to recognize it, which is why I thought it was thunder. But then the first one, you know, it, it's uh, the first one it hit, it was like thunder. The second one, it, the third one, you know, it, you could feel like the pressure in your ears. It's like your eardrum's going to burst. So that's when it finally dawned on me, this is, this is not thunder. It doesn't work that way. And then because we had other classes were going to shatter and then the house shook third one was the huge one like it shook the house you know i felt like the glasses were gonna you know were gonna break and then we're gonna be injured inside the house and then when it shook like immediately the thing is like oh it's the volcano there's gonna be a tsunami next coming right. and because we're just a hundred meters the first thing is just to run it so we had to we had to stop and look for a mud, for a muddy puddle and go and get some water from there and like wipe off our windows and we had to do that over and over again and people were panicking and it was quite difficult for us to actually go back home because of uh, the people panicking, running around, even them getting, uh, seeing people hop off, trying to wipe their windows and stuff to see where they're going. Yeah, everyone was running, like it was traffic. The road was traffic, it was packed. Everyone was running, no one, and even it got darker, like it got darker. You couldn't see anything. So many people were driving. So I was standing there and direct them, hey, come and take shelter here. It's for free. We can take shelter. This is already a safe ground for us. But then the people were just running on the road, you know, just flowing from, just going inland. I saw, you know, the elderly people, uh, going with kids, the youths, the babies, you know, people were just running wild on the road, carrying, you know, just the babies and yelling. And the people were driving, they were just honking, honking. So you kind of like, something really wrong is going on, eh? Yeah, the, the sky started turning dark, like we couldn't see anything. It was like nighttime, but it's, it was still like in the afternoon. Yeah. It went all black, like the skies were all black. Um, but it was like five or yeah, six. It was, like it was not yet. It was not yet eight or nine. It was already dark. It was only around was, four, five. Yeah. It's like looking at a picture black and white. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It was just no color at all. Nothing yeah. was green. Nothing was. You couldn't see any color. It was just black. People. We had, we had fam. We had people. They're not family. Yeah. They were just running around in front of our road and we had to tell them to come to inside. Yeah, right. Yeah, but we don't even know them. We're now back to the singing and how some people were able to stay calm and cope with the fear that they must have been feeling. Sia is a Tongan resident and a local storyteller. Her and her daughter were at home when the eruption happened. Like most people, they jumped in the car and headed inland. So as soon as we were about out the gate and she saw all these people running, you know, on the road and stuff, she's like, oh, mom, do you want me to sing? And then my daughter started singing. Actually, that really helped calm me down, you know, to try to get us to save. So she sang all the way until we got to my uh, brother's house, which was our place of refuge for the night. And help me clearly see I will walk with Jesus. 
Jesus, and you will walk with me. Some of the most affected places in Tonga were the Outer Islands, of which there are almost 200 that make up the country. Off the northwest coast, in between the main island of Tonga and the Hunga Tonga Hunga Haapai volcano, is Atata Island. Sikula is the town officer for Atata, and he's showing us around what was his home. He even takes us to where his house was. So and we stand on the tiles that are left um, on his concrete slab. From the both side, but mostly come from this, uh, from the northwest. Yeah? Okay. They come around on this uh, high um, area, yeah. and then smash to this um, low button here to wipe it off this all the, yeah, right. the house and the thing. Yeah. yeah, they come right through here and then go down this way. Yeah, hello, this, uh, my name is um, Shetami Fonua, but they call me, um, most of these uh, people uh, call me Sikula. I am a town officer of this um, Adata Island. So what was this house here before? What was that it one? It was um, the free church of um, Tongan Hall. Okay. And then this um, one of the ministers' house there in the church on the site. Okay. At the time this um, the tsunami came in, I'm on the land here. I was in the boat in the water. Oh, right. Yeah. You saw it coming and you got on the boat or? No, I was come back from the from Nukalofa. Yeah. With this um, stuff for the Sunday. And then, so, soon we are getting close and then this, um, we saw the wave coming around. Right. So what did this look like before the tsunami came through here? It's really nice, it's, um, it's looked nice and it's a really nice island before tsunami, yeah. yeah. And like, was there a village through here or yeah, is that what we were looking at? Yeah, a village here. Yeah. Yeah, and this, um, going that way is a village too, yeah. Because all we can see now is really a few, well there's a, a church I can see, yep. there's another building next to it and you can see footings of where buildings were, like cement footings, that's all we can see really. It is, this, uh, this uh, the part of this, um, of the house and the thing. Yeah. yeah, they all around there. And you've got and there's just there's just things everywhere. There's there's bikes, there's shoes, and it's probably yeah. not even from this island, is it? Yeah. Wow. There's a lot of things um, around. this, not from uh, here. Yeah. There's some uh, bring this um, from the water. Yeah. yeah. Back on the main island of Tonga, Sikula shows me where his community are now living, inside a large church hall. It's got polished timber floorboards and very high ceilings. And about 11 families have been living here for almost 12 months now. At the moment, we are staying in this um, Maliukuonga Hall, this um, church, uh, free church of Tonga um, uh, Hall um, in this um, the, the village here they call Kapita. So uh, we um, came over from the island after disaster happened, of this um, the Hunga Tonga and Hunga Bai happened. On 15th of January, this, uh, so we move over and then this, um, at the moment, that's where we are. What, what has it been like for you and your community to move, to have to move to another location, even if it's just temporary? The big issue, um, we, we was uh, waiting to see when to be uh, doing this, um, the moving to this uh, the new location. So I think this um, everyone here and outside the people, not all the people are staying here. There's some here and the most 
staying out on this um, family and then this um, uh, relative and then kind of thing like that. I think it's really important to them to know when we moving to the location, new location. How do you feel as the town officer, knowing that you, you are sort of responsible for a lot of the community, do, do you feel like a sense of responsibility and do you find it difficult sometimes knowing that your community is having to live here temporarily? It is. It's a lot of this um, a difficult time to, to I found. So it's quite hard for me to be um, talking to the people when we're here because we're not um, staying all in this uh, community here and come out of the church hall. That's what I, I look forward to be we moving to that, um, the new um, uh, home. So this, um, the most of them um, are in this um, that hall yeah. and some on the top of this um, on the oh, yeah. here, here. Is there a room up there somewhere? Yeah, they okay. got um, the, the room there. Yeah. So one person outside here, yeah. and then there's um, three people outside on this um, that corner there. Okay. And then um, I think eight or, or more than ten people are wow. in this um, that building. Atata Island is quite a unique place. Do you feel like your community and you, you know you personally have lost a little bit of identity now that you're not living on that particular location and you're now on the main island of Tongatapu? The most of the people here, uh, they they feel um, shared on this uh, that kind of thing. They grow up on this um, the natural thing, you know, from this um, island, this um, all this um, the natural um, going to the bush. They call a natural, um, not to be a chemical thing and then kind of thing. So, at the moment, we um, there's a bigger challenge for us. Soon we move here, and we feel um, if we feel a, a lot, this, uh, we're missing something from this uh, from the culture of this uh, when we move from the island here. Yeah. The small island of Mungo is northeast of Tonga's main island, and about the same distance from the Hunga Tonga, Hunga Haapai volcano. Almost all the buildings were destroyed on the island, and now the residents find themselves living in Nukalofa, waiting for their village to be relocated to Awa, a much larger island on the southeast side of Tonga. This resident tells us how her husband died in the tsunami that destroyed their homes. My name is Tipiloma Tutuila. I am 53 years old and I have been living at this hall for over 10 months now. Can you please explain what it was like on the day of the tsunami for you and your community? The day the volcano erupted, I was scared for my family. At first, we ran into the house and hide. My husband sent our youngest daughter to run get our eldest daughter and our son and their families who lived close by so we can all head to higher ground. 
My husband kept a watch outside, so he called me to get everyone ready and head for higher ground before the waves hit. When I came out, my daughter was carrying her 13-month-old baby, but my husband was not there. My daughter told me we need to go now before the waves hit. When I reached the door, I could hear the waves coming. We ran for the hill. I can only see my daughter and her baby and not the rest of my children or my husband. I think we must have run just half a meter before the first wave hit us. The wave was so strong, it swept and pinned us beneath a tree. My face was badly scratched by the branches. I tried and got hold on branch and tried to hold on and stood up. I remember at the time I cried out to God to save us. At this time I still cannot see the rest of my children. I shouted at my daughter, where are the rest of the children? It wasn't long before I can hear my youngest daughter crying out and calling my name and her father's name. I called out to her to stop crying, I am here, and asked if she has seen her father. She replied that he was with her before the wave hit and they got separated. When both my daughters were with me, my son reached us. He asked where their father was. I told him, I don't know. We kept calling out his name. We didn't even hear him cry out for help. My children told me we need to get to the mountain where all the islanders have fled. Once we reached the top, I asked if all my family were there. It dawned on me that my husband was gone. At that moment, my son told me to look down and see the third wave crashing inland. It was higher than the houses and I can hear it crashing through the island. I could not bring myself to look down or even look back. I just stood there, tears streaming down my face. How did your community feel about moving or relocating to where we are at the moment? After the tsunami, we were informed that the government wants us to come here to the main island, to Tongatapu. We were all happy and grateful, knowing that we will be cared and provided for, so we came here. We were grateful for the government's help. We lost everything. It seemed like the best thing for us was to move here. You said at the start that you were happy to come here, but then has that has something changed to make you change your mind and change your community's mind about being here? All of us who are still living here at camp are happy to move to our new home island of Ewa. We have no problem with moving and starting new on a new island. We are just happy to have a home again. The Tonga Broadcasting Commission recently opened a brand new building. It's easy to see from a distance. The tall transmitter antennas on top stand out. It's a two-storey off-white building. It's probably about as wide as two buses parked end-to-end, so it's pretty big. When the eruption happened, people headed for the building, which at that stage hadn't actually been used by the national broadcaster. It was that new. All right, we're away. Okay. One, two, three. Solomone is a tech with TBC. Okay, my name is Solomone Finau, the technical manager for Tonga Broadcasting Commission. After the eruption, he headed straight for work. Yeah, it will never go off my mind that day. I, I, I remember when I arrived at the station, especially with the new building where we are now, uh, there were crowded people, about 200 people, they were stacked on the stairways upstairs because of the uh, 
uh, evacuation area in these new buildings on the top. But they cannot go to the on top because they were ash falling from the sky. So what we did, I asked the CEO to give permission to open the new building, uh, especially for the first floor, for the public to enter for evacuation area, because the new building was in uh, commission at the time. So the CEO said yes, so we opened and the public went inside and I can see a public panic mm. uh, because of that uh, uh, lightning and the sound was so loud. And so then when you said before, when you got to the station then finally, people, you said that you saw people panicking. How did you know they were panicking? Oh, you can tell by, especially the elder people, they're shaking. Right. Yeah, they're shaking. You can tell somebody that has been afraid, don't know what to do. I can see the people, because they, they were pushing each other. They were pushing each other in the stairs. And when I came, I gave them the key to the building. I said to them, don't push each other, especially the elder people. And I opened the door. And the first thing I did, I let the elder people inside first. And the young ones, and family like mother, young children, put them inside first. And there were some other people, you can see that they can survive on their own. I let them stay outside. I see that inside should be fully packed. And if it's not fully packed, then I let them go inside. But they were helping me because I was the only one here uh, as engineer. So you spent the night in here as well, in TBC? Mm. I spent the whole night here in TBC until the next day, and we were waiting for government to declare that uh, it's safe to let people go home. So uh, the next day, early morning, people still here, and our worries was the uh, water supply. Some people are very thirsty and food as well, but uh, I think we were dismissed from here around 10 or 11 in the morning. Does it change how you feel about living in Tonga? Yeah, I, I think in that time I was thinking uh, maybe better to migrate. <laughs> <laughs> you sort of had a bit of a laugh then saying that you might migrate, but would you, would you really consider leaving Tonga though? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I prefer staying back home there. And just like the small islands that was affected, Mango, the government need them to migrate here, but some people still prefer to stay back. I think I'm one of those people that prefer to stay back home. Three people died as a result of the volcanic eruption and tsunami in January 2022. Communities, people and the land are still scarred from that day, still recovering and still coping. Pacific Prepared is supported by the Pacific Media Assistance Scheme with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of PACMAS or the Australian Government. It's produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific including Radio New Zealand Pacific, NBC Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Capital FM 107 Vanuatu, FBC Fiji, Samoa National Radio 2AP, SIBC, Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation, 
And a special thank you to TBC Tonga for hosting Pacific Prepared in Country and connecting us with all the people who shared their incredible stories with us about the volcanic eruption and tsunami. Have conversations about disasters. What would you do and how will you prepare? We're trying to help you make the next disaster easier for you and your family. My name's Frida Hooper. Please share any information that you've learned today and stay safe. This has been Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared.